0: Welcome to the Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. All right, here we go. Let's kick things off proper right here. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Simple, easy. Keep your eyes on the chat if you're joining us live right now. That's where we're going to put all types of value for you throughout the show. And if you're tuning into the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Let us know what you like about the show. Uh, All right. So let us know what your role is. I'm going to go ahead and launch this. This is kind of how we uh, gauge the conversation, maybe tailor it a little bit to the folks that are in the room. This is what you're here to talk about. Boost your reply with these two types of emails and this sequence. So you're going to see a few things today. We're going to show you what it is. We're going to define it for you. And then we're going to show you the way, the examples and how to put it all together so you could start doing it right now. That's the game. All right, Jed Marley, welcome back to the show, my man. You guys know Jed. Say what's up to Jed.
1: What's up, everyone? Thanks, James. Excited to be here, man. It's always fun pleasure yeah. to, uh, to be on a show with you.
0: <laughs> That's what everybody says to me, man. Oh, grand old Pellerie <laughs> is in the house. All right, scan this QR code. Go over to sellbetter.xyz. That's where you're going to learn what we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we're doing it for. At the same time, check out the YouTube channel. This is where you're going to get all types of tips and techniques that you can start doing a lot of clips from the show. Great stuff. Shout out to Zoom Info, our longtime partner. Uh, these guys are turning cold calls into warm calls, so we're going to drop some tips right now. In the chat, you guys know how we do. We give you the best stuff in the world here. And this is how to use intent data to turn what would have been a cold call into a warmer call. Shout out to Zoom Info for partnering up with us to put that together. All right, today's agenda. This is what you're going to get from Jed. Questions you have to ask for. We call this the setup. You're going to get it here in just a second, just to kick it off. And then sentence by sentence templates. What up, Brooklyn in the house? Sentence by sentence templates. You'll see the examples and we'll break down how they work. And then, of course, we'll wrap it all up into this great two-step sequence. And I've got some questions about your own sequences that you're probably going to find very interesting throughout the show. Let's take a look at who's in the room. Yo, SDRAE, AE, like, neck and neck, man. Neck and neck, only 2% really? off. Shout out to the full cycle reps. If you're a full cycle rep being asked to prospect more than you've ever been asked to before, let me know. Put a one in the chat. Uh, and let's kick things off right here. All right, Jed, you said there's a setup that we need to do before we start writing these emails. So break the setup down for everybody and get specific. And we have a resource for you coming up when he gets to number four. So check it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, James. So um, I want to know in the chat too, like let me know where you guys get stuck when you're going to create a brand new outbound sequence. Mm. Um, I've probably created like hundreds of sequences so far in my career. And uh, I I feel like where I struggle the most Is just like putting together the initial outline and specifically deciding like, who is this sequence going to be for, right? Because you can segment by industry, personas. There's so many different ways you can create it. And so let me know in the chat where you guys get stuck the most. But after creating hundreds of sequences for myself and on behalf of clients over the last several years, this is like the six critical questions you need to ask yourself and really take your time with each one. Because if you get this part right, it makes creating the sequence and any future sequence extremely easy, uh, and it also makes the the sequence highly relevant. So I'm going to go through each one. The first yeah. one is who is the yeah. Um, what's who the time commitment for this? Just real quick. Oh, sorry. Good question. So, um, I think it's it's going to be case by case, right? Because yeah. if you're joining a new company and you don't have a good understanding of your persona, it's going to be hard for you, for example, to understand the best prospecting signals or the best pain points. Yeah. And so you okay. might have to go back and do some more customer research. Whereas if you've been with a company for several years, you know, these things like the back of your hand, I yeah. would still challenge you to validate that with data on a, a quarterly basis to make sure you're super aligned on what those pain points are. That's interesting. Um, so, so real quick for the, for the crowd, as you move through these, before you get yep. started with explaining
0: each one, on a scale of one to 10, how well do you know your actual buyers, your prospects? Because I think what you're saying there is that the speed of this is determined by how well you know your ICPs. Look at this. We got a seven already. That's some honesty right there. It's good, but it could be better.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. Go ahead Jeff. and look, break these down. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. So, first one is who is the target persona for this campaign? Um, I just, out of all the sequences I've tested and the data I've seen, I highly recommend just focus on one persona per campaign and try to get super specific with what is that persona's exact job title. Yeah. And the only scenario where you'd want to put two of this or two different job titles in the same sequence is if. The overall pain points that they would experience that your problem help solves uh, relates to both of them, but in most cases, you want to keep it very specific with one persona per campaign because pretty much all the messaging we create in cold emails uh, is going to be specific to that persona. And so, if you start, you know, putting in different personas, it's going to kind of uh, dilute the messaging and make it less relevant. So that's the first one: is uh, don't just stop at the persona, but write down all the very specific job titles that you're going to use for that campaign. Because that's going to help you create the list uh, in a very relevant way. The second one is how is that person that that persona getting the job done today without you? This is something that I see people miss all the time on cold emails. They will reach out and assume the prospect has a problem, but that they haven't tried to solve it in any way. Right? They assume they don't have a competitor. They assume they aren't um, tr- you know trying to solve that in some way on their own. So what you need to do is have a good understanding of hey, if people aren't. Uh, you know, using your software, or your solution, whatever it is. Uh, what are they trying to do to fix the problem? Uh, what does their current process look like? And that's where it kind of comes back to what we said before: is like interviewing customers, listening to demo recordings, um, have a good understanding of what your these personas' day-to-day uh, jobs and lives look like, so that you can speak to that in the messaging. So, um, list out like one to five uh, ways that prospects are getting the job done without your solution today, because that's what you're going to call out in the messaging. The third one, beat them to did, it. <laughs> Yeah, beat them to it, right? And I'll give you like, I've used this example a lot of times. This is like a very simple example, but there's a lot, of, lot more complex ways. When I was working at the company Pandadoc selling e-signature software, everybody has an e-signature solution in place. And so if I didn't call that out and say, like, call out the objection um, in my email or in my cold call, uh, that was going to be the reply. We already have e-signature. So if I already call out the fact that I know you're already using something, it eliminates that objection and it allows us to you know, kind of move to the next step. That's uh, appealing. just, just to think
0: about it from that perspective of like getting it all put together so that you can be ahead of the game and the faster you can get to that next step, the better. I think, you know, every call could be a closing call if you're good enough. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, it, this is all just to save you time in the future when you're writing the sequences and actually executing on the messaging. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, number three, what are the top two pain points that you solve for them? So, uh, you, you know, everybody on this call probably has an understanding of like the problems that their solution solves. But what you really want to do is not frame your messaging or like the problems you solve in the way that like your marketing team tells you to or the way that it's advertised necessarily on your website. Mm. You want to pull it out from like specific customer language. So, like if you're a software company, uh, oftentimes people are putting in G2 crowd reviews and, and explaining very specifically the problems that were solved by using your solution again, listening to call recordings, you want to essentially write this down uh, in the way that the customer would say it. And that's kind of the the same answer for most of these is like, whenever your answer is for each one of these questions, you want to phrase it in the way that a customer would say it. So it's most relevant to them, right? We want to speak their language. Yeah. Um, And I'm not sure if I said this, but the way uh, I would go through these six setup questions is put it on a spreadsheet and list all your answers there. Um so I do have a spreadsheet news. for everybody for number 4 there. Yeah.
0: Uh put a yes in the chat if you need some help figuring out how to find these signals, these intense signals that let you know what somebody has. We are going to drop a link in the chat for everybody that's putting a yes in there. You want to go get this resource for everybody that's trying to get some help to get the signals in. All right, go ahead. Absolutely. Please, Please check on that resource. It's uh um, you know it's super oh, go ahead, James no, I was going to say the collateral piece is that last step, and I think we get really selfish on this step, right? Uh, talk to me about
1: what collateral really does matter in this, and then we're going to look at the example. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of uh, collateral, um, that kind of goes into the follow-up emails, right? So uh, as we go through like the signals and um, the pain points, and, and kind of like your value proposition, you want to have data, metrics, images, videos, case studies, all that stuff pulled together before you create the sequence. So that you can support the claims that you're making in your messaging. So the collateral is actually meant to support the claims you're making, not meant
0: to drive them to have another call with you, uh, answer some question. Uh, And that's the part, I think, where we get a little bit selfish when it's time to start providing. We're like, what can I provide that benefits me? No, no, stop. Right. What provides value for them? (laughs) You want to think from their perspective? Let's talk about this email one. Uh, you've got a great setup here. We're going to give you guys this setup for the email one here, and then we're going to show you an example of it being used in
1: real time. So go ahead. Yeah, let's do it. So um, if you did everything as stated in the setup, those six questions, this should be very easy to put together. But in number one, you're mentioning that that signal, the most highly relevant signal you can find for creating a sequence. Um, that's the first sentence of your email. So calling that out, and because you're putting that in the previous sentence of your email, um, and it's personalized around the signal you found, you're going to have a higher chance of them opening that email. Number two, you're going to describe the pain point that is related to that signal. So whatever signal you found, you want to make a problem hypothesis about what might be going on in the organization and describe that pain point again in the way that the customer would describe it. The person- Having a hypothesis is super powerful. I just want to point that out.
0: Being able to state a thesis and say, I think this is true, that is uh, executives specifically respond very favorably to this, right?
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if you can show your research in the first sentence and then describe what problem you think might be happening as a, as a result of that research, that's right. going to stand out from like ninety percent of emails.
0: I literally had a conversation today where I was like, "I think your buyers live in my," and they were like, "Yes." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, third one is your value proposition. Um, how you explain how, the, the way you solve the problem, again, should be described in the way that a, a customer would describe that. Their language, all opposition. Yeah, their language, you want to make sure it's extremely clear and crisp, but we have an example on the next slide. Yep. Uh, your call to action, of course. And then number five, that's optional, but I like including some sort of PS with a bonus offer, um, some sort of lead magnet. we could talk about that later, uh, or some of that additional collateral, like a link to a case study, et cetera. Let's take a look at the example. All right, this is it, guys. This is
0: the real real stuff here. You can use this. So uh, if you want to take a screenshot, we understand. If you're going to
1: share it, make sure you tag us. We love you. <laughs> yeah, tag us. Let's go. Um, now, this is just an email example. Look, I, I, I create a lot of email examples. This is just from the perspective of a recruiting company, okay? So because I talk about software a lot, so this is from a recruiting company example just to kind of mix things up. Uh, but essentially, so let's read through the email. So, hey, first name, I saw you're opening a new office in city uh yeah, are you are going to start hiring locally in 2024. That's the signal, that's the trigger, right? And there's a lot of data tools. Zoom info is a great example where you can pull a big list of companies who are opening new offices, right? So that's the signal. Um, the second one is the problem. So I hear from a lot of talent acquisition teams that they'll post a job on LinkedIn indeed, et cetera, and then get flooded with unqualified applicants that they have to spend hours filtering through. So that's the problem, right? The problem hypothesis from the signal of them opening a new office um, again, that's in the customer's language. I have talked to a lot of talent acquisition teams that work with staffing companies. These are problems that I hear they have. And so again, that's, that's the problem statement. Uh, and then the third one is your value proposition. Um, so if it sounds relevant, we have a number of local applicants for position with experience in their industry. You can watch their custom pitch videos before even deciding to take an interview. That's your value, value proposition. It's very specific. It's personalized. Uh, and then call to action, which be open to checking it out. And then the PS is that bonus offer we talked about with the collateral that we grabbed in the first step, the setup step. Here's a short video explaining how it works. I wouldn't personalize that video. I would just create one static thirty second to one minute video that kind of showcases uh, what you do differently from from other providers.
0: What well, what's a, if you had like a if you had a guess of like what's an open rate for that video? You know, like uh, I know everybody's tracking links right now, right? Sure. If you're using something to track your links, for sure, everybody's like common sense, right? That's like a non negotiable in the modern age. So we're tracking links. If I send that to hundred people cold with this type of email, this this static video, what's my click rate for something like that? In your experience, obviously some variables, right? Uh, let us know what industry you're selling into in the chat, so we can pick a few out. And maybe talk about some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, James. Like I'm always hesitant to give like just specific averages, but what I've seen from running a, these like video uh, type links across a bunch of different campaigns is it's typically in like the ten to twenty percent click rate. But then specifically, what I do is that, and there's a lot of sequencing tools that let you do this, is that if you get that click, you send them down a separate sequence path that's a little bit more personalized because you know they took the time to watch the video. So that 10 to 20 percent click rate, um, in my opinion, is pretty solid. And if you structure the email right, give them a reason to click on that video, I don't think there's any reason why you can't be in that range or even higher.
0: Yeah, I I see a good I see a good video response no matter the channel whether it's cold or not. I think there's this like big looming concept in our minds as salespeople and we've heard it over the years of like you shouldn't send a video cold i have i think there's lots of data out there about certain industries where it's wildly effective cold because it's not seen i saw when i asked what industry people sell into there's like three or four people in there i think that said trucking i assure you that trucking companies do not receive a lot of video walkthroughs that are 36 seconds long after a customized email like that right uh let's take a look at email two. Uh, and before we go any further, right, we're doing two. This is a two-step sequence. I'm going to go ahead and launch this. Y'all be honest with me, right? In your shortest sequence, how many steps are there? It's all right. Nobody's hating on you. Uh, okay. Con- the context email. This is the purpose. To break these down, it seems oversimplified, Jed.
1: Yeah. So I'm not sure if I described as well when we went through the previous email, but that oh. first one, what the value email, That's always the first email in a new thread in your sequence, right? So that's like your initial cold email. The context email is, I've seen it referred to as a bump email or a follow-up email. It's in the same thread as the other one. Whenever you're sending a follow-up email that is threaded in the initial email, you have two goals. Make your initial email seen again. So get it a second opportunity at being seen because we put a lot of work into personalizing and making it relevant. So you want to follow up to to, to essentially bump it and give it a chance of being seen. But then number two is you want to provide additional context or value. Um, And we'll share some examples of that in the next slide. But that's your only two goals for follow-up emails. Okay. Uh, That puts follow-up emails in a really specific
0: box because I think we have this terrible habit. And let me know in the chat, one, if this is you, two, if this is not, I'm guilty of like, I'm going to do this two or three times and then I'm going to flip the switch and let my generic follow-up cadence begin, right? Like this is a very common practice. Talk to me about how these two simple bullet points change that behavior.
1: Yeah, I mean it changes it because you're not you're not trying to get crazy. Like what I see with follow-up emails is they're they're too long, like they they try they di- divert from the initial um the initial email you sent, right? Like when you're sending a follow-up email, it should kind of continue along with the story of your first email. So if you're talking about one problem, don't talk about a new problem or a new value proposition the follow-up email. Okay. Like in my first example, we're going to show another example for the follow-up but in my first example, I talked about how they can hire uh, better talent in their area. Um, like, don't talk about a different problem outside of that. Like, add more context to that. Show, uh, share a case study of somebody in that area who hired folks, um, you know, that just got a new office, for example. So um, it's just continuing with the theme, like, sequences should follow one, one straightforward story. What I'm gathering from that, and I think a
0: takeaway that it's hitting home for me is a problem, whatever it might be, deserves more than one email. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't say you solve a problem and then be like, oh, wait, never mind. Let's talk about this other thing, right? Because it's very confusing and it doesn't have enough impact over time for your prospect. Talk to me about this example right here. Uh, I want to encourage everybody, ask questions. We're going to review at the end so you can see all this in a, linear, in a linear way. But ask questions in the Q&A so that Jed can answer your questions about this process. Check out the poll results too while you guys talk this through. Go ahead, Jed.
1: Yeah, please do ask questions. I love I love answering as many questions as possible. So I want to hear them all. Um, okay, so this is an example of a follow up email, or what I call a context email. And so it's just hey, name customer opened a new office this year as well. So again, continuing on with that signal, uh, we helped them fill three open positions in under thirty days without the pain of taking dozens of interviews. Uh, you can read more about their experience with us here. And so this is doing a few things. Okay, first of all, this doesn't have to be personalized on a case by case basis. This is mm-hmm. just this would be an automated email because if you build a list of people that are that one persona that all had new offices. This email can be relevant to every single one of them. So you don't have to go through and personalize each one. Um, it's using, in terms of the collateral we're using here, it's a case study example. I don't like just sharing a generic case study, but this is an example of one that's specific and talking about the details and then giving them the option to check out the, uh, the link for more information. The third thing that we're doing here that I like to do on context or follow-up emails is there's no call to action really. I'm not asking a question. I'm not asking for time. And I like doing this in about half of my emails in, in any given sequence because it's kind of a pattern interrupt. It's it's not giving like commission breadth, if you will. And all I'm trying to do is like provide value, present my the problems that I helped solve in my hypothesis on their problems, and then the balls in their court for if they want to respond. And so um I have seen good response rates when you don't include a call to action in some of your emails, and if you're constantly just asking, 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 asking every single time, it's like that's kind of annoying. If you've ever been on the buyer perspective of it, It's like, okay, we get it. So uh, anyways, that's my personal opinion and what I've seen work well. I don't like having a call to action on every single email.
0: It's very interesting because I think we have a tendency to assume uh, that and type CTA, if you send emails and your leadership says, there's no CTA, there has to be a CTA in every email. Uh, You know, let me know if you hear this or if you've heard it in the past. I think this is against the grain. I, I feel like a buyer might see this and feel like, oh, you know, hey, thank you, right? I'd expect like a thanks for sending it. And I think this makes a lot of sense. I get a lot of thanks for sending it because I send a lot of invites, right, to the show. But this makes a lot of sense for a follow-up because there is no requirement on their end. Okay, let's talk a little bit. Look at this. Let's go back, right? Two to four is the dominant. Our shortest, our shortest sequences are two to four. I'd love to know if that short sequence, yes or no, is it your most successful sequence? Yes or no in the chat. I would say it might be. Let's take a look at how to rack this up in a sequence framework and then we're going to move to Q&A. So everybody, please go ask questions about this framework. We'll review it again.
1: Yeah, so uh, first of all, this is just this is like an email only sequence, right? If you're going to have phone call steps and LinkedIn steps, by all means, definitely do that. And I do it both ways. Um, But this is just what the emails look like. Hmm. And kind of going back to that poll, James, Um, I am a huge fan of four email sequences. So no more than four emails in a given sequence. I think uh, the standard maybe a few years ago, and even maybe still now was like anywhere in the range of six to eight plus emails in a sequence. I think that's a bit excessive, uh, especially now because email is extremely flooded. Uh, The other issues that if you keep sending someone emails over and over and over, and they're not going to respond, they're going to start to block you. And that's where we're seeing a lot of issues with deliverability. So I'd I'd rather bam. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just... And it's also just annoying. Like my, I'm going to be honest. Like my perspective on selling is I want to sell the way I would like to be sold to. And if you've ever been in one of those 80 email sequences, it's a bit ridiculous, and it can also start to burn your reputation if you're ever going to follow up with those people.
0: What do you mean, Jed? You're not being chased by a bear in step six? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Those those are the best emails. Um. So yeah, that's that's the reason why this is a four step sequence, and then I follow up with those those leads every quarter or every six months, right? So you're still reaching back out to them, but you're not blowing them up. Yeah. And so it's 10 days. Um, first email is the value email, which we talked about the structure in the beginning. You're focusing on one specific signal and one specific pain point. Then you're sending a context email to, uh, again, add context uh, to that initial uh, problem you talked about. And then a few days later, you send the second value email and a new threat. This is focused on the second signal you found and a new pain point, and then another context email to support that claim. Um, One thing I will say about these short email sequences is it allows you to test a lot of different signals and a lot of different pain points at scale. So let's say you find six to eight prospecting signals that you want to test out, maybe grab them from that document we dropped earlier. Uh, You can set up a good amount of these sequences and within under two weeks, you'll be able to know which signals are going to be the most relevant for you. And then you can double down on those uh, with more phone calls, LinkedIn steps, et cetera. Great stuff. And I see a lot of
0: people in the comments right now in the chat talking about the ways that they break up these emails. And I think that's worth mentioning, right? A lot of folks, we say there's six emails. What we're not talking about is the total number of touches, and that's very different. So some of you guys are like, I have a two-step email. If it's a true step two-step email, it probably is some level of two emails, but there's probably some other pieces that are sort of peppered in there, right? We got some great questions here. Jed, you ready to hit a few of them? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. This one comes from Anonymous. Shout out, Anonymous attendee. We appreciate you. What if I want to use the setup to discuss step two, three, four, and five, and six over a call or a meeting and not on an email? How do we approach to modify this? It's
1: actually a good question, Anonymous. Thank you. That is a good question. Uh, I mean, I haven't actually used these This like, like that, that was specifically designed for email, right? But the thing is, cold calling and like that's what they asked about, right? To, to, Uh, so I think what, I think
0: what the crux of this question is, is like, clearly there's a, a lot of steps to their, their selling process and they want to have a discussion. So the, the crux of it is how do I, how do I change from like email one to trying to get to my nurture sequence or my larger sequence with more steps in it. And I get to a point where these emails, my call to action is let's hop on a call. I think that's, what's being said here.
1: Sure. So, I mean, uh, anonymous, feel free to message me at LinkedIn if there's more context or if I'm answering this in a way that you didn't intend. But yeah, uh, at the end of the day, like that, that six setup questions is just going to be, regardless of whether you're using it for email, cold call calling, LinkedIn, it's going to help you across any sort of messaging format. And as long as you take a thorough amount of time to really go through research and make sure that you're putting down the right pain points, the right value proposition, the right signals, it's going to help you with your cold call calling, your LinkedIn as well. It's just structured differently. Like You can insert it into your script and speak directly to those pain points. You can still mention the signals you found when you're calling somebody. Um, so it works across the board. And regardless of whether or not you're using it for email, I highly recommend everybody goes through those six steps yeah. and uh, really make sure they have good answers for each one. It's
0: a good answer right there. Anonymous, Jed looks forward to hearing from you. In your, I mean, step, in your step two, uh, hopefully you don't get like an actual LinkedIn and the name is like anonymous question, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, wh- you, you mentioned here in step two that a case study is something that you might send and you'd send that that link. I have two related questions. The first one is from Pierre. Pierre says, what if I don't have a relevant case study to talk about? Go ahead and answer that one and then we'll move to the other one.
1: Yeah. If you don't have a relevant case study to talk about, then that's not the collateral you're going to use, right? right? Like find, use like a helpful article, whether that be from your company or somebody else. Um, maybe it could be a little bit more generic. Another thing you can do too, and, and um, I've always done this is like, maybe I don't have a relevant case study, but I know I have a lot of customers and I can... Kind of make up the case study almost. Like, I'm not necessarily sending a link in that example, but, you know, maybe I have uh, a customer who I know is doing really well. I can look in the CRM, I can ask my CSM team, um, like, what's the the situation with this customer? What results have they seen? And you can just insert those results into an email and not necessarily have have like a link to a case study. So just use a different form of collateral. That could be the video, that could be an image, um, that could be an article. But if you don't have a relevant case study, you know, no need to use it.
0: Yeah, don't force it, right? Uh, Some of you guys are selling into sales and if you're selling into sales, send them things that are sales related, right? This show is on every day. Send them this show. Hey, I thought you might like this, right? No ask. These will get thank yous. This is helpful, right? That's the way to do it. The second question related to your step two here is you have no concerns at all about sending a link in these two emails, even though they're cold. What's that do for
1: deliverability? I think Jake Wood, great question. Yeah, good question, Jake. So I'm not always sending links in every single email, just to be clear. Um, I always recommend testing this. There's like dozens of different things you can do to make sure your deliverability is on point, and Sell Better has done plenty of shows on this. My opinion is that if you're doing most of them right, you can break a couple rules. And so it's always worth testing, right? Like the way I could rephrase that initial email is instead of saying, here's a video, you could say, P.S., do you want me to send over a video? And then that way you're not including the link, but then once they respond, you can send the link. So test everything. If you're doing most of the best deliverability practices, uh, you're not going to have that much of an issue with sending links. Nice.
0: Dimitro says, what is your open slash reply rate? I think the real question here is, what's something that people should be shooting for when it comes to open and reply rates? Great question.
1: Yeah, uh, Dimitro, please message me on LinkedIn because I have a good document that breaks it down by industry segment and all that stuff because just giving you a random number. And for context, I also run campaigns for like over 10 different companies. So it's just wildly different. Um, But like, you know, 50% plus is a really, like 40% plus, let's be real, is a good, if you're above forty percent, you're doing good in terms of open rates, reply rates. Try to be three to five percent plus. Uh, but there's just so many variables, so please message me and I have a document I can share with you. Uh, if I had a steady handy right now, I would put it in the chat, but unfortunately I don't. So, just jet, jet is in
0: high demand, y'all. He will respond to you. You want to talk to him about these campaigns that he runs? Wildly successful. Uh, good, good answer for the reply rates and the open rates. We still got some time here, so get your questions in. I'll try to get as many as I can. What's the best practice lately for time to wait between sequence touches? Good question.
1: Yeah, I definitely recommend testing everything out. I like to do two to three days between uh, initial email and follow up email, and then when I'm doing a new thread, I like to give it four to five days. Um, so that's that's just been the range. Um, I really don't think it's that big of a deal as long as they're not too close together or too far apart. Yeah, I haven't seen like data that says you have to do this amount of time. Right, right. two to five days is kind of like the sweet spot. Good stuff right there.
0: Okay, I see a lot of questions. Hit us up. We're happy to answer those. But I want to run you guys through this one more time for a recap. These are the six questions you need to ask yourself. And there's a link there for a resource in the chat to go get those triggers. Then you're going to go with your value email. That is the first email you're going to send. This is how it breaks down. Kind of looks like this when you put it all together in your email. Take your screenshots now so you can do what you need to do with this. The second email is the context email and its purpose is simply to get seen and provide additional context and or value, right? this is what one of those might look like. Please notice its brevity. It's easily read on a mobile device. When you put it all together, these are the days. So there's a little bit of space between these touches and that buys you some time to do some research. Jed, I want to thank you for coming out to the show. Uh, Any 30 seconds, like last thoughts for everybody as they're coming away from this.
1: You're muted, buddy. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I was coughing. Um, I'm First of all, there's a lot of questions. So I will answer anything, anybody that messages me on LinkedIn, because I know there's a lot of questions and things that come from this. Yeah. Uh, but my biggest takeaway would be take the time, whether it's a couple hours to really do your research and answer those six questions, whether you're going to use them for a sequence or not, it'll really help you rethink about how you do your outbound process, uh, messaging, uh, all of that stuff. So uh, if there's anything you do, go through that six step process
0: amazing stuff right there, man. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time with us. If y'all took any screenshots, be sure to tag us and sell better. Follow us on social connect with me directly at say what sales. And obviously we want you guys joining us uh, Monday, Monday, when we come back, we are live every single day. So we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend and go get them. Y'all we're rooting for you.